When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, Editor-in-Chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I usually talk to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. But not this week. Instead, we're going to hear from three of our favorite Ladies Firsters about the A word, ambition. I love asking women what they're ambitious for. So let's kick things off with Aquafina. How ambitious are you? For my whole life, I convinced myself that I was not ambitious and that I I didn't have any because I wasn't confronted with the things that I would eventually become ambitious for. I wasn't ambitious for school. I wasn't ambitious for competitive schooling, you know, like what, you know, the SATs. I wasn't ambitious for those. I wasn't ambitious for gym, freshman through senior year. I wasn't ambitious for anything. I battled with imposter syndrome, especially early on in my career. And like, this is the first year where like, I'm really starting to confront that in a real way and in, in that I I know that I work hard. I know I know that I do. That's the only thing that I do know. I don't even know if, I don't know for sure that I'm good at what I'm doing but but I know for sure that I work hard, really right. hard. So like if anything at this point in my career like I will say that yes, I am ambitious. There I'll always be hungry. I always want more. And it's kind of nice. Isn't it funny because like for you to I think that you are I think a lot of people would agree with me, one of the more innately skilled actors performers out there right now that you we can just just tell that you always had it in you and so for you to go I feel like an imposter isn't that just so ironic I I guess I guess thank you thank you for you to start with like you know you're working at a a publisher and you make this music video and, and you were just doing your stuff and then you did your your gigs and you just incrementally that all that whole has a very fluid path to it but it is hard I mean when you have to look sort of inside and outside of yourself. <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah, that's a part of it. But you don't learn from your successes. You know what I mean? You just don't. You're going to do the Netflix show with Sandra. Uh, when's that? Yeah. When's that happening? Oh man, I, we're figuring it out right now, but it's, it's definitely going to happen for sure. But I, I don't know when I, yeah. Yeah. You'll be the first to know. Would you? Yeah. Thank you <laughs> yes, so much. For but sure. Who, what, where, where's the, the division of your name happening you like the rock <laughs> i don't know about that the rock is very good I don't, I... when does the rock become Dwayne? your marketable name well your big name you know is okafina but then how conscious well of course nora from queens is about is loosely based on on your life so it has to be your name but speaking of the bifurcation here's your theme of the day. <laughs> I know, right? um, how are you steering between the two right now it is very complicated, and I think it, it, it's a conversation that deals with like how I kind of internalize Aquafina and how and who how she affects like my own sense of identity, which has nothing to do with like the kind of the business or or the or the you know like what should we credit her as that has nothing to to do with that. But then at the same time, it it does if it may, if that makes sense. 
my my whole relationship with Aquafina is 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 different than I think what people initially think, which is that she represents like the kind of the funner version of you. So it's like Nora's the quiet one, and then Aquafina's like the crazy one, and that's a good way to explain it. But it's it's not necessarily all of it. When I think about Aquafina, I think about me being at a time in my life where I was chasing creative pursuits, and I thought of a name that was completely like it found in my own head, you know, from the spelling to like what, what it meant. And so when I see that name, like on chairbacks or like coming up in credits, it kind of reminds me of like that 15 year old that was like searching for something else, you know, and that's a name that, you know, Nora is a name that was given to me and, and Aquafina is a name I kind of chose for my own. So I think that's where that, that split is. But I also think that you kind of have to grow into the Dwayne Johnson or that kind of thing, because you have to put in your dues. You have to make like, like the rock at this point, you know, people will know him as the rock or Dwayne Johnson's. But for me, if you put out a movie starring Nora Lum, you know, people might not know who that is. So then what does that mean? It just keeps going in, in different layers for sure. But I, and you, and you and the rock are often confused physically. So I mean, it's, it's all, <laughs> yes, exactly. there's another layer to that. <laughs> Tell me about a time when you first really owned your shit professionally? Like when you really had ownership and was like, all right, this is, mm. this is how I do it. I think one of the first times I felt, I think in acting, it was probably one of my first scenes with, with, with John Chu and Crazy Rich Asians where like I had come off of a, of a, of a really awesome filming experience, Ocean's 8, with like mm-hmm. all those amazing Losers. women, which was... Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Loser um, fest. Yeah, so, yeah. Sad. so sad. That's what, what we were going to call it. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was an amazing experience, but I felt like I was definitely uncomfortable in my skin, not at, at anyone else's fault. It was just at the way that where I was in my career at that time. But then with, when Crazy Rich Asians came out, I think that I was able to kind of explore and do some things that I had really felt uh, scared to do previously. And then seeing that it was kind of received in a way that encouraged me to do more. That was when I first felt, wow, like, like it's cool that I can do this and it's like being seen on the other side and it's being encouraged. Now, Nora from Queens, how much, are you still obviously mining your early life, but how much of your life now are you mining for drama sake or something else you want to do uh, going forward? Do you write notes? Do you, do you like, are you a big scribbler? Are you? No, I'm not. I mean, sometimes if I think about a a joke, I'll write it, but then I won't remember where that, where I wrote it and I'll throw it away or something. But I think a big thing in like, like writing the show is, is every year and every month that passes by, I'm more and more disconnected from that time when I was really struggling in New York city at, at that specific time. And being back in New York, it always kind of helps, you know, revive it a little bit. But I think that, that the overall theme of it is that I, I think that Nora and me and the, and me Nora is like we're we're all still trying to figure out what gives us that sense of self rather than like what is prescribed to us, you know. And I think in the early beginning it was get a, get a good job, make make good money, you know, do that thing, make your parents happy, which I still want to do, but I want to do my thing too. You know U.S. Representative Katie Porter as the badass woman with the whiteboard, the one whose congressional questioning brings lying CEOs and slimy politicians to their knees. Listen to everything she says. I want to ask, what are you ambitious for in any part of your life or all? Oh, what am I ambitious for? Uh-huh. Okay, so I have, a, I have a real mission here. My goal is to get the American people to trust Congress. 
Not to necessarily agree with everything we do. That just seems like a fool's errand in a democracy. We, if you look over the last 30 or 40 years, whether Democrats are in charge, whether Republicans are in charge, one thing has been pretty steady. In the last 30 or 40 years, the American people's opinion of those who do this work has gone down. And it's in the, you know, it's in the 12%, 18%, 22%. I'm in a really good month. We might get to 30. This is Dream a big. problem, right? <laughs> yes. And so I think what I'm trying to do in those hearings, for example, in a town hall, if I'm thinking about how to communicate in a newsletter, even to my constituents, in a press interview, I'm really trying to think about how do I show people what's at stake here? what I've done to listen to them, what I've done to learn about the problem and possible solutions, and to explain why I reached the conclusion that I have. I mean, given that Congress has had this popularity problem for like 40 years, I'm not sure how quick of a fix this is going to be, but I'm, I'm really hell-bent on doing it. I do think that's why you've reached the profile that you've reached as rapidly as you have is because you're a good person who wants to do the right thing and who puts it elegantly and commandingly. And because that is seen, rightly or wrongly, as a rarity in in that environment. Well, I think the reality is that women have very often had to create their own power um, because we aren't historically in these roles. And so I think there's a a long and interesting history of women who've had to find ways to have influence or to make change in situations where it wasn't clear that that they were going to be given that that role. Right. We're talking a, a few weeks after the election. You won re-election, um, which I would hope was the easiest win <laughs> ever. And, and to see um, you know uh, Kamala Harris become the first uh, female VP, and I think it was this election was so drawn out and stressful that I think people forgot some of the glory of it by the time it was really announced. So how did that feel for you, obviously, to win office again, but to see uh, see a female vice president? Yeah, it was an amazing feeling, both because I know her values and what kind of person she will be in this role mm-hmm. as vice president, but also to see some of those barriers break down. I'm 46 years old. They've had to hear a lot of times, well, you know, it's better than it used to be for women. It's, and, you know, I, I don't think that's my goal, to have it not get worse. My goal is actual equality. And, you know, this came up back in 2018 when I was first elected. The most common question I got asked, and it was big news media cycle for a long time, was there are so many women in the House of Representatives, like so right. many. Yeah. There are not <laughs> so many women in the House of Representatives. Even at, at our biggest number, we were 23%. Right, you so cleared a low bar. Yeah. That's a low bar, right? Yeah. So I think it's really, really important to appreciate that we elected uh, not just a woman, but a woman of color, somebody who charted a different career path and life path, who didn't have children, who didn't marry when she was younger, um, but who mm-hmm. married later in life and has wonderful stepchildren and a, a wonderful identity as a stepmother. So I think it's really um, exciting and inspiring, and I think it's it's important to take, as you said, that moment to appreciate what this is going to mean. What's the most badass thing you've ever done? After college, I taught for a year in Hong Kong. And then I took a trip around the world by myself for five months. And I just have to say to my parents, what were you thinking? Like, 
Who would let their kid do that? Under what circumstances? Especially a kid who grew up in Iowa. Like, I had no business doing this, but I had a marvelous time. I went everywhere from Nepal to Vietnam to India, Egypt, Morocco, all of these different all places by, yourself. by myself. Jeez, Louise. What did you learn about yourself on that trip? I'm sure it was some hairy or isolating moments. It was probably the longest I've gone without talking. Right, Because in a lot of these countries, there weren't necessarily English speakers. So, you know, moments of learning how to be comfortable alone, learning how to sort of find your, your own moments of joy without there being another person, I think that was really, really important. So, yeah, we're both chatty and you, you, you want to keep a room alive, right? And it does take a bit. I think as you get older, a little bit of like, I can let, let it breathe or let myself breathe. Except not not when you're most needed, Brett Porter, not when you're most needed. Um, In your Twitter bio, it says you're an amateur surfer. How amateur are you? And I was actually going to say, when you asked me what was the most brave thing, you know, badass thing I've done, it was actually the other thing I was debating. I was going to say two. The other one I was going to say was surfing, which is, you know, I grew up in Iowa, far from the ocean. I'm a fine swimmer. Not great, but I mean fine. But the ocean's a whole different thing. And, you know, it took a lot of courage for me personally to grab that board and walk out there and, and see what happens. And I remember I, my instructor asked me what my goal was. It was a very good thing for a teacher to ask. And I was in a small group of women who were taking these surfing lessons. And the other women had things where one of them wanted to to catch a green wave, which means kind of before it's frothy, like as it's bending. My goal was I didn't want to die. (laughs) I mean, I just, I'm not super, super athletic. I I just, I didn't want to die. Like, I didn't want to get hurt. Like, that was my goal. But what, what intimidates you? I don't know that anything intimidates me. I mean, the thing that that I have the most fear about, of course, is my children. Like anything that relates to my children just knocks me on my rear, right? So worrying about them, that really is um, unsettling. But I, I don't know that I worry about much of anything in Congress. I care, but I try not to worry. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam where wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. 
In this episode, we're revisiting special moments from interviews with our fabulous guests. It doesn't get more fabulous than Uzo Aduba, who's just as ambitious about how she spends her time as she is for any of her on-screen roles. I've always loved to talk to women about ownership and, and, and what you have what you earn through your career and what your equity is. You've got so many awards, like tons. No wonder you had to move to Los Angeles. You need more space. Tell me about what equity you've earned through awards or otherwise and how you make decisions now and what is potentially easier or more challenging with what you, are, you want to work on are offered or want now. Obviously, there are more people who know who I am than before now since before Orange, right? So it's like, in that regard, opportunities in terms of like more jobs come is easier. Is every job one that feels right at the moment? Not always. I think what going through this serves to remind me more than anything is like, why I began in the first place. The thing for me in terms of choosing the project, it's like, why did you want to do this to begin with? Always is my barometer. It's not enough just because it's like, oh, that sounds cool. Or like, this is like, or the money. I did a play once, which I will never forget and will not mention, (laughs) but it's like, I did a play once a hundred years ago. It wasn't a lot of money, you know, compared to like now, but I remember I did it for the money. And I learned that lesson that we would be on stage actively listening to something that was not good. It was the one time this has ever happened to me. I would be sitting there listening when my scene's done and I'm listening to whatever's happening. And I'd be like, do I want to go to the gym after this or in the morning? And I would be like, <laughs> like, but I was like, I think I'm out of ground turkey. Like these would be things I would be thinking. <laughs> so you have a very, very succinct eloquence to the way that you have accepted awards. What's your ego like? How much of an ego do you have? A mixed bag, I guess, because it's like, the truth of the matter is I'm an actor. Like we stand on stage waiting for people to do this. So like, it's like you know, like, to, so to some degree there, it's obviously there while we're always simultaneously like, was it good though? You know what I mean? Like we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. that level. Tell me it was. Yeah. Tell me it was, but I don't believe you. You know what I mean? So there's right, like, right, right, right. You know what I mean? There's like, whatever that mix is, is what I would describe as mine. What does badass mean to you? Badass to me means solid, firm strong, clear on who you are and unwavering. Badass to me is someone who doesn't think twice about owning all of it. It's just like, this is where I stand. This is my lane. This is what I'm giving. And you're not going to tell me that I should do or be less. Because if you do, I'll throw you in the sea. Yes. Yes. No? That's just me? Anyway, Uzo, what are you, given all, you know, all the success you've had, what are you ambitious for? Mm, first of all, I love that you just used that word. Me too. It's a fave. Love, love, love. Tell me why you love it. I love it because I think a lot of times women in particular have been made to feel like they should shy away from that word, like it was dirty and not for them, and that the want to strive, reach, aggressively go for what it is that they dreamt of was a bad thing. And it's not. It's not. Tell me what you're ambitious for. I am ambitious for producing. Mm -hmm. Because you're a production company now. I am ambitious for 
films and leading in those stories. I am ambitious for directing. I am ambitious for philanthropy, particularly in my origin country, Nigeria, and underserved communities here in the States, particularly young kids in the arts who can't access them. This is very, like, what an eight-year-old would ask, but I'll do it anyway. Do you have, like, a dream role? Nina Simone. Oh, you could murder that. That would be cool. Hang on. Do you have, you, have you said that a lot? I don't think I have said that out loud. Say that again. Not, I'm gonna not, not out loud it. in space. What would you say? Uzo, I'm, I'm going to manifest it. Who would you like to play? Nina Simone. Ah, universe. You've been told. Oh, my God. You must. Don't tell me. You Nina. must. That can be your singing moment, too. Right. You can get in character as Nina Simone and then sing Whitney Houston. Wouldn't be weird. <laughs> as Nina. Played by Uzo. <laughs> if anyone can do it, darling. Could you imagine? What are you creating now? What are you, uh, you know, you work, you do work, you have worked so much. And, um, you know, how do you sort of, not how do you get balance, it's just a poncy um, question, but like, how do you manage your time? That's a really great question, actually. And something that I've only just recently really set a boundary around. I think that honestly came out of 40 as well. The first part of my day is entirely for myself. I wake up and I carve out purposely three and a half hours that are just mine. What time do you wake up? Six o'clock today. So before the workday starts, I wake up, I do a morning meditation where I just go for a walk for about 45 minutes. I'm talking through the things that are just completely unrelated to work, important to me or that I'm interested in. Me and my dog, Fenway Bark, we go together on the walk. Again, everybody, Fenway Bark. Then, <laughs> then I um, come home, I chill out, rest for like 15, 20 minutes. Then two of my girlfriends from college, we get on the Peloton and we do a ride. We pick a ride and we do a class. And you beat the beep out of them, don't you? We go back and forth. Although today I did beat myself because I am actually a very big like self-motivator. I'm focusing on my own personal best, which is the one that only one that matters. I, I beat mine today. You do two lots of exercise before business hours. Yeah, I just started that. Well, because I, you know what, this is the thing I'm calling it like return to self because I used to work out so much and that was like, you know, we're talking, you know, like I'm doing the show in treatment and like, I think it's like this time of 40 and this, new age and, you know, in this COVID time, I'm really having time now since a big piece of what I was spending COVID is not where my, my energy is. I've actually now starting to think about how do I spend my time? How do I like to spend my time? I realized for myself that a big release and therapy and form of self-care for me was always exercise and movement. Yeah. And this is funny thing about exercise. I'm not sure if you know it, um, but Exercise makes you feel better. A hundred percent. You should write a book. You lost your mom a little bit ago. How did you get through last year, number one, or like day to day? Tell me if you can summarize that and then how you chose to communicate outwardly. First thing, real, real talk. Everybody has stuff going on and everybody will always have stuff going on. I think what I for sure had was something to just like 
bring it super sharp into focus for me, which was definitely my mom and definitely that precious time we all were spending with each other. And that reminder of honestly what matters, like actually matters. Even though like it felt like the world was falling down all around us in more ways than one, there was such a gratitude for every day, every day, like really, truly every day. And so that was one part of getting through it, that it's like, I'm glad I get to do this again today. And then realizing what is my voice and my action. And my action does not need to be his action, does not need to be her action, does not need to be their action. But if, it, if I can't sleep and if I know it is the right thing to do, I must take action. Thanks for joining me this week with Aquafina, Representative Katie Porter and Uzo Aduba. Come back next week when I sit down with the magnificent Zendaya. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And we love your feedback. If you could please rate us and leave us a review and make me feel loved, that'd be great. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Andy Bosnack. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrand99. See you next week for more Ladies First with me, LB. Listener.